The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. What's going on, everybody? Eric France and Ajay Salveson here on the Full Court Press. Uh, just want to update to some breaking news that happened just within the last hour. Elementary schools, middle schools, high schools, anything K through 12 in the state of Utah, uh, that's called, they're calling it a soft closure, which I suppose means there will be some online learning. Uh, school lunch will still be available, but otherwise the uh, kids asked to stay home. It's not a, um, uh, what they're calling it, well, basically they're calling it a preventative measure. It's not a reactive measure. There have not been any cases confirmed of coronavirus or COVID-19 in elementary schools, middle schools, or high schools in the state, but uh, state uh, officials are trying to get ahead of this to uh, really limit the spread. So just FYI, just within the last hour, that has been announced in the state of Utah. Also within the last hour, uh, the first coronavirus has been confirmed in Idaho, I understand their governor is going to be holding a press conference here this hour to give a little bit more information about where that person may be. Idaho was one of the last states in the country to have a confirmed case in their borders, but apparently that now is taken off the list. So um, certainly how things have this virus has affected sporting events has been the major story over the last 48 hours and really over the last week. But um, a really great conversation last hour with John Hartwell, uh, the director of athletics for Utah State, uh, talking about the the decisions that went down with Mountain West, with Utah State, and uh, some of his reactions, too, to some of the proposals that are out there now about how to grant more eligibility for those seniors whose seasons were taken away from them. Yeah, that's so unfortunate. Uh, Just, I mean, but there's an understanding to it of, Look, we, the, the virus, as we said it before, the virus is bigger than basketball, and that is the case here. The virus is bigger than basketball. And as unfortunate as it is that they won't be able to continue the, to the NCAA tournament, you know, we, when we asked uh, Mr. Hartwell, can they maybe have an extension of their senior season going into next year? And he said, you know, it's a little difficult. There's more into it than we, than we would probably, you know, than, than people assume, I guess, is the best way to put it. And then he was asked about the NCAA 68 team bracket, if that would be released, if that if they're going to do an announcement or anything like that. He said he would uh, highly unlikely, and for obvious reasons. One of those reasons being we have no idea, no idea where they're seated at. I mean, there's at-large teams that were on the bubble in the middle of that conference tournament. There was teams that were the last four in. There was teams that were the last four out. There were the teams that were the first four in. How would they have uh, done in the conference tournament? How would you have seated them at the time? It's it's way too difficult to be able to put a selection show together with the limited with the limited uh, game I guess tournaments and tournament games that you saw. There was just I mean with a lot of the tournaments not even played. So there's a lot that goes into it. But Eric, now we finally get to talk about some good news. Uh, Cash Valley Media Group has put together, of course, our highly debated, highly intense, and way too. Uh, read into, if you will, <laughs> uh, all Region 11 basketball team. Uh, so we've been doing this now for a few seasons where we 
we've talked about it for a while, and then finally we just started doing it a few years ago, where we have the we we have a lot of people going out and covering these games, and why not get their opinions on who who are the best that they saw, who are the best? Who would you put down as a first team, second team? Who would be the player of the year? Who would be the coach of the year? Some years have been more controversial than others. I think this year was pretty cut and dry. Maybe we could debate a few things here and there uh, as far as first team, second team. But what wasn't up for debate was the player of the year. It was unanimous. Uh, and if it wasn't, then we would have some discussions with people about maybe looking for a different job because they didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> no, uh, Mason Falls of the senior for Skyview, without a doubt, without a question, and it's not even hesitating, Twenty, just over 20 points a game, under 8.5 rebounds a game, just almost six assists a game, one point six steals per game, and by the way, twice Eric, twice in a in a high school game, he had two triple doubles. If that doesn't tell yeah, you enough about Mason Falls, and then his second back to back state championship appearance, they obviously fall short in this one to Dixie, but what a player Mason Falls is! Absolutely incredible season that he had, impact player on the court, and uh, we thought let's reach out to the guy who followed him. Closer than anybody. That's Hurricane John Newbold. He called the Skyview Bobcat games for us here on the fan this past season. He was keeping a close eye on Mason Falslev. And, uh, John, I just want to get your initial reaction to Mason Falslev being named the player of the year for Region 11 basketball. Well, I had the same thought process that Ajay just mentioned, that people should be looking for other jobs if they didn't vote for Mason to be in the player of the year because of what he did this year and, and last year and I guess all four years for Skyview. Yeah, th- let's not forget he uh, won the championship his junior year, made it to the championship his senior year, but he's been a part of a program that's had some pretty deep runs on a regular basis. Yeah, they've done a good job. Coach Hilliard and uh, his coaching staff has done a good job throughout the years there. And, uh, it, it, I mean, with Mason, it's one of those athletes that just come around a, a high school program or or around here in the Valley just once in a while. It's not one of those things that happens all the, te- uh, all the time. You might have a good team or an outstanding team, but an individual like, like Mason just doesn't come around all the time. How does he compare to some of the other Skyview basketball players you've seen? Certainly Jalen Moore's got to be very Nate high. Harris has got to be on that Nate list. Nate Harris somewhere. has to be on the list. <laughs> but where does Mason Falslip stand in comparison to those guys? Well, you know, he uh, Mason, he, he's the all-time leading scorer for the school. He passed Trevor Stokes, who was a, a great athlete too. And, uh, you know, Jay Eubanks called those games for Skyview when uh, Trevor was playing. And, and so I got to see Jalen – uh, play, uh, but I think Mason's he he's got to be one of the the best, uh, the most versatile because like AJ pointed out too with the triple doubles and stuff. Mason he just did whatever it took, you know. And I know it's cliche, but he did. He really did take and do whatever the team needed him. If Coach Hilliard needed him to to do one thing, then if it was scoring points one night or making sure that he was just the facilitator, that's what he did. And his his role kind of changed. Last year when he was a junior, he, he was the main ball handler uh, bringing the ball up. And then this year it was kind of, you know, he had a couple of guards, uh, Tatum Neal, uh, Caden Penrose, Titan Saxton. Those guys 
were some of the guys that really uh, brought up the ball a lot of the time. And, you know, so Mason did different things. And, I mean, he just he just did so many things, like rebounding, assists, steals. He just did what it took to win, and he just loves to win. And the thing that always stood out, Eric and Ajay, whenever you talk to Coach Hilliard, is that he would always mention about Mason, and he would, if you asked him about a game or something, he would always talk about the things that that Mason does during practice. Just the fact that he's the leader, and and the the kid, like his teammates, gravitate to him. People like to be around him when he's on the court, and he just he loves playing basketball. Uh, I want to ask you about you know they lose Mason Fultz of next year, they lose Sam Phipps next year. Yeah. Uh, what does this team, what is their potential next year without their two best players? Well, I mean, obviously people will have to step up, but they're still, I mean, they're going to have size. They'll have six foot seven Bracken Schumann down in the post who was kind of uh, a player that came out of nowhere this year. He played defensive line for the football team, really gained some confidence with the state cha- uh, championship run that the football team had. But he'll come in, and then they'll have six foot ten Jackson Schumann, his cousin, that will be down in the post too. Both of them will start. Jackson started last year, but hurt his foot at the start of this season, so he didn't really come on until the end of the season and he had some great games in the state playoffs but so you'll have those two down there um but then uh, they they do have uh Titan Saxton, Caden Penrose um and Tatum Neal, all three of those guys will be back and some younger guys Hayden Howe was a freshman this year and he's a great sh- uh shooter um so they'll be they'll still be good I mean but they're going to you know have to compete against uh, Ridgeline, who I think, looking ahead, will be up there just with Skyview. I mean, they tied for region this year, as you guys know. But I think that those guys, you could interchange them for being preseason region uh, picks for the region title next year. Uh, th- those two teams will be on top. But Skyview will still be okay. It's just it will be from different people. They'll probably be more balanced in their scoring. Again, we're talking to Hurricane John Newbold. He was the play-by-play announcer for the Skyview Bobcats this past season. Mason Foslev named as the Region 11 Player of the Year from our panel of participants of the Cash Valley Media Group, people who were there at all the games, calling these games. Um, is there a game or, or two from this past season that really stands out to you for the, the type of player that would kind of summarize the player that Mason Foslev was? Well... The one for sure that that stood out I, was the the game down at Weaver to start the season. Um, he ended up with a triple double. We didn't know at the time; uh, we couldn't keep track of his rebounds. But uh, if I remember right, it seemed like he had 24 rebounds in that game to start the season off. I mean, we knew he scored a lot. He was, uh, I think it was 30 some odd points, maybe or close to 30 points that game. But the 24 rebounds, and then he had 11 or 12 assists in that game too. So I think that was the one that just you got the feeling like, holy cow, here's his senior year. Mason's going to step up because Weber was a higher classification. I think that was the game that just kind of set the tone for the season. I was like, wow, you know, Mason's really stepping up this season, his senior season. He knows it's going to be his last one. 
But um, I I think that game um, is the one that stands out the most. Other than that, there's just certain highlights throughout this season and just other seasons that he's played where you've just seen the, the awesome dunks. Um, last year against Canyon View down in the North versus South tournament, I mean, he, he dunked over a kid. He, he literally jumped over him and dunked the ball, and you can find that on YouTube. But I, uh, stuff like that stands out individually. But that game against Weber this year uh, really stood out. Like I said, we didn't have the number of rebounds at the time, but you could tell that he, he easily had the double digits in rebounds. Uh, as we've mentioned, uh, Mason Falsliv named as the Player of the Year for Region 11 by our group of uh, uh, experts. Oh, panelists. we're experts. We're yeah, experts. there you go. Uh, <laughs> from the Cash Valley Media Group and our uh, associated stations and broadcast teams. But besides Mason being named as the Player of the Year, and uh, certainly he makes the first team, uh, Sam Phipps also makes the first team uh, for from the Skyview Bobcats. And then a few other Skyview uh, players on the honorable mention list um, but before we talk about any honorable mention, guys, just the just the, the type of season that Sam Phipps had and how he contributed to the Skyview's success this year. Well, Sam's just he's a he's a good kid. He's just outstanding, and, and I mean, there's not a lot of kids that have his athleticism. Is I mean, he's already he's six foot seven. He can jump, and he this year his senior season. I think he really took a big leap from his junior to senior season knowing that he had to step up too. And uh, his blocked shots, he made sure that you knew that you just got blocked. Uh, he, he would send you to the first row, fourth row. He, he made sure that he'd get those blocks. He, he's a high flyer. It was fun to watch his dunks in the, the pregame. But, yeah, Sam's the type of player that when you watch him I, and talking with others, it was – always surprising when we started talking that it was like really he doesn't have any offers anywhere I mean he's got a great jump shot from inside the three and he can knock down threes but yeah I think he received a uh, preferred walk on to the University of Utah halfway through the his senior season but yeah Sam's was a great contributor uh, contributor this year for the Bobcats well, uh, just to, to mention, just because we, we teased that a couple other players making the uh, honorable mention list, uh, Tatum Neal, Bracken Schumann, Caden Penrose, Kaysen Carlson. Uh, it was a good team that uh, Skyview had, had a great run, just come up a little bit short in the uh, state uh, tournament there down at uh, Weber State. But Mason Falsliv consistently outstanding for the Bobcats. And uh, no question, he was the player of the year for Region 11. Yeah, he... It, it's awesome to to see Mason. They, they they had a lot of juniors that got a lot of playing time. I mean, you mentioned all those guys on the honorable mention list, and you can add Titan Saxton to that too. That he'll be back. But yeah, it will be interesting to see the Skyview uh, team next year. See how they kind of come together without a Mason or a Sam on the floor. But they should be back. But you know, just thinking about Mason too. Uh, throughout the conversation just all the things that he did off the court like one of their team managers uh, Dylan if you've ever seen him there Dylan Lundahl he's good friends with him and Dylan's got like a walker um, and and Mason's always there to help Dylan like at the state tournament he helped him down the stairs he's always there to you know and there's always the the young kids following Mason around and 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 Mason's always 
giving him the time of day too. He doesn't blow him off. And I just think as a high school athlete, that's just really cool. Well, John, thanks so much for uh, you, the the work that you always did for these games, covering them all, and uh, your insights as to the type of player that Mason Falslev was. Well, appreciate you guys having me on. It's it's always a good day to be a Bobcat. <laughs> all right, thanks, John. Yep, thanks, take John. care, guys. What the Tony is a great day to be a Bobcat. I'm telling you, dude. I cannot tell Sounds you like the, something a coach would. The say. amount of people that would scream at me. He's so biased. Isn't that a sell? I'm like, I don't know. Look, he's just calling the game, and I love hearing him, all right? Just calm the fetch down, people. No, that, that that's great stuff. Mason Fultz of name, of course, uh, your 2019-20 Regional 11 Basketball Player of the Year. Again, just over 20 points a game, just under 8.5 rebounds a game, just under 6 assists a game, and 1.5 steals per game. Uh, he's also uh, one of the only player in the region to have two triple-doubles, which is uh, incredible. And then, of course, his uh, partner in crime, Sam Phipps, uh, 12 points, about 12 and a half points per game, just under seven rebounds per game, just under a block per game, and just under an assist per game as well. Sam Fitz was, that team had some athletes on their squad, and they graduate They graduate now two of the best. It's going to be really interesting to see what Hillary can do with this uh, upcoming underclass. It helps if my microphone's on. Yes. It, I've it, done that too. <laughs> it's, I've done that. Uh, besides uh, Mason Falsa being named the player of the year, we also named a coach of the year, and while Mason was unanimous, the coach was not. Okay, but that's all but one person. I need a, yeah, and I need to talk to that individual. Um, and I think and, if he ask him what he was spent thinking. a little more time, maybe he'd reconsider. But it is, what and it, it is. wasn't me. It was not me. Was so not I me. swear, if I get any <laughs> tweets or texts from people, I voted for the correct choice. And that uh, is Ryan Day of Ridgeline. Who, Kyle Day. Uh, Kyle Day, excuse me, uh, who had a terrific, terrific year. And uh, joining us to talk about that coach and that squad is uh, their play-by-play man for the Ridgeline River Hawks is Dave Simmons. Dave, thanks for joining us, my man. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, well, when you – I loved what you said in the Cash Valley uh, Daily article, which you can find on CashValleyDaily.com, that you said before you even saw him coach a game on the court, you knew that this guy was going to be special. And I was, I'm going to ask you, will you repeat why? Yeah, so he's been at Ridgeline for a few years uh, as a assistant. As he worked under Buck Miller for years. He was out of Mountain Crest also for years. Um, he's not a stranger to coaching by any means, but never has been the, the head coach of the varsity team. And so when he got that position, you know, as, as, the, as his radio guy, my, I decided to go in and meet him. Now, before that, I had talked to people around the community after he'd been, you know, given that position and talk to players too. I, I have at least for the next few years have a kind of a, a unique situation where I've coached a lot of these kids that are now coming up that are sophomores and juniors are currently sophomores and juniors. And so I was able to just kind of visit with them and ask a couple of questions and all the kids like him a lot before, before even he was given that position and, and was, I was struck by how many of them mentioned not only about how great of a guy he is, but how um, good he is in the X's and O's of things, how his set plays, some of the different things that he writes up have been really, really good. So I went and talked to him in his classroom after school one day and just sat down and visited with him and was struck by how how down to earth he is and, and how excited he was about moving forward in the program and, and uh, that – you could just tell that he had a personality that, that 
young men would like to follow as far as uh, from a coaching perspective. And you knew that at least there was some, some good coming in because I think a lot of people were, were wondering, well, was, was this going to be essentially the same thing being that he worked under coach Buckmiller for so long? Um, I really like coach Buckmiller. I think he's great. And I think he was a really good coach. It, uh, obviously administration felt like that they needed to be a change. And so the question for me and for a lot of people was, well, is this just going to be the same thing, just a different face? And, um, I, it wasn't, you know, for, he, he had his own spin on things. He was able to see the talent that he had there and put the guys in the right spots. And, and obviously we saw what they were capable of pretty soon. I think a lot of people up front were thinking this was going to be a, you know, a 500 team at best. And at first, first couple, of, I would even say the first month of the season, you were seeing how these kids were having to learn an entirely new system over what coach Buckmiller was doing last year. Well, so that's what I think is, is been really interesting about coach day and what happened with this team this year is that it was a young team decided to go with the, find the, the best players, but also how it, it sometimes changed from game to game His willingness to change things up based on the matchups and what was facing him that day. That's a sign of a great coach, Eric, he, he, a guy that can, be prepared for the next game. Be understand matchups, understand your strengths, and and even understanding your weaknesses to make sure that other teams aren't able to exploit them. And you know, another thing that I think is a, a trait of a really, really good coach is somebody who is humble enough to realize that maybe he doesn't have all the answers, and to surround himself with guys that are really, really good in their own right. Um, I think one of one of Coach Day's greatest things he did this off season was, was search for somebody who could help him um, be able to take this, this, the, this program to another level and finding coach Steve Smith, I think was a really, really good thing for coach day. Coach day, mind you, is the man running the thing, but coach day, I could tell was willing to listen to other people around him and then obviously do what he thinks best for the program. I mean, there's no getting around the fact that what was done out there was because he made that decision. But I, I've coached with Coach Steve Smith for, for many years, and it was really fun for me to listen in interviews after, after games to Coach Day use terminology that I know darn well that Coach Steve Smith has preached for many, many years. Um, so to be able to recognize who's who could help and have that humility to be able to listen, but then the leadership to implement, that's that's a great coach, folks. That that is a really good trait. I remember Coach Consmith years ago telling me how Rick Majerus would after Coach Consmith retired, Rick Majerus would call him and ask him to come in and sit in at practice just to see if he's seeing if he could see something that he wasn't that that's awesome. Don't you guys think that there's somebody that you that's can absolutely listen to right. and yeah. be able to yeah. bounce things off of and, and trust and, and uh, coach day, I think that was one of the greatest things he did this off season was talk Steve Smith into coaching and helping him out. But I, I, I worried about writing that on the thing for um, the cash Valley daily article, because I don't want it to come off the wrong way. It was coach. It was Coach Day 
running this program. But Coach Day was willing to listen to others and try to implement things. And by doing that, they were prepared almost every game. I can't think of any games I didn't feel like that there was that they weren't fully prepared. With uh, Coach Day being named Coach of the Year, Caden Cox was named to the uh, All Region Eleven First Team. Go figure. Uh, a team, a player that I was, I felt was underrated in so many ways, and especially when I watched that Skyview game at Ridgeline was Jacob Salveson. Now, I'm not saying that because we're distantly related. I'm saying that because <laughs> of his height and his ability to shut down the post, which was an extremely hard thing to do in the, in the, non, in the non-region play and especially against Skyview. Do you agree? Yeah. Ja- Jacob goes 6'5", um, and that length is going to be something that's hard to replace. Um, in fact, you can lump Baker Jackson Baker into that, too. Jackson Baker is listed at 6'4", but he is a strong 6'4". And, and so when you look at just guys on, on the, the eye test, those guys are going to be hard to hard to replace. But I, I don't know which one of you guys saw my email coming in as far as my picks for the region. Um, you know who I think is the most underrated defensive player in the whole region is Peyton Knowles. Pey- they put Peyton Knowles on pretty much Everybody that is the who's who of scoring in this region, it was Peyton Knowles for the most part being guarding them. Peyton Knowles frustrated Sam Sam um, Phipps like crazy in that game that they won at, at Ridgeline. He, Sam was visibly frustrated with the way Peyton Knowles guarded him. Peyton Knowles was, in my mind, the defensive player of the year in this region. Now, now mind you, I am a little biased because I followed this team the whole time, but that kid made every shot difficult for people. He he played smart basketball. He has he had blocks that you didn't expect coming because he understood defensive rotation and help side. It was Peyton Knowles that I felt like was the, was a defensive player of the year. Take nothing away from anybody else because it's a team game. And that and you're absolutely right, AJ, that length that Jacob Jacob Salison had made it so other players were able to do what they could do. It was it was a really good team effort. But you want to know what else? This team came in and decided we're playing. This is from Coach Day, and I'm sure a lot of Coach Smith as well. They're, they came into the season saying we're going to play man defense, and we're going to we're just going to try to stay in front of our guys and try to play lockdown defense. That is a philosophical complete 180. Coach Buckmiller really really likes zone defense, and that's fine. I mean, everybody has their own philosophy. But with that type of a man defense, you can put you can put pressure in the open court a little more than coming back into a, a three-two or a two-three or something like that. And that type of, of defensive pressure creates what Coach Day and and other coaches would call catastrophic turnovers. Those turnovers that happen at mid court that then you can get an easy bucket on two or three times in a game. Next thing you know, that you're, that's a six to ten point swing just because of defensive pressure in the open court. That was new this year. Also, the offense was, was a little bit different, and it was really fun for me to see how they started to be able to re- read and recognize cuts and screens. And I, I'll, I'll never forget how it was about a month, and, month, month and a half. We weren't quite the region. And I watched, I watched Jackson Baker read the right – cut read the screen and make the right cut which was a backdoor cut and the 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 pass was delivered by chase hall on the money for a layup those things were not happening when they had their first their they lost their first what four ball games of the season 
they were they were still trying to learn a completely new system. So credit your seniors, your uh, um, Jackson Baker, Jacob Salveson, Kyler Hansen, and Caleb Smolin. These are guys who did not grow up playing that type of a system that had to really concentrate and put everything they could into understanding this program as seniors and still be able to contribute, which they, they ultimately all ended up doing very, very well. Again, we're talking to Dave Simmons. He's the play-by-play announcer for the Ridgeline Riverhawks. Uh, Coach Kyle Day named as the Coach of the Year. Caden Cox on the first team, all-region team. Peyton Knowles on the uh, second team. Uh, I'll ask you the same question that I asked Hurricane John Newbold. Is there a game that stands out to you that really seems to encapsulate really the type of season that Coach Kyle Day had with this team? It's harder when you're looking at a coach. Um, it's just—I mean—you can look at players and say, "Well, geez, he had—you know—I heard John mention about um, the triple double that Falsworth had that game. There was a game. Um, looking back, the, the funny thing is, I want to say it, it was Westlake, and that was one of their losses. Westlake at the time was ranked very highly in six A. They're one of the bigger schools in the state, I believe. And and Ridgeline lost it offensively. They weren't great, but they held they held Westlake to 41 and they had a defensive philosophy that was, you could totally tell that they scouted this thing out. They were trying to force, they were trying to force the wing players to the baseline. I'm pretty sure it was Westlake, but they were trying to force them in a different spot that they normally would. And to the point where they were overplaying it, not to the extent where you've seen guys in the NBA try to overplay James Harden. You've you've seen him do that on his, I think it's on his left side to not let him go left. They weren't doing it that far, but they were doing it, Definitely in a way that you could see, okay, they're trying to make these guys go somewhere that they don't want to go, taking them away from what their bread and butter would have been. And they did an excellent job doing it and held that held a really, really good Westlake team to 41 points. That was, to me, that was a really uh, a telling tale of how this team, this Ridgeline team, had prepared from the coaching perspective and had their guys ready to go. These turn sort of topsy-turvy when you come to Region 11 play next year for boys basketball. Sam Phipps, Mason Falsov no longer are a part of Skyview's basketball team. Caden Cox does come back. This Ridgeline team is loaded next year. Do you see big things from them? Well, I do. I, I think next year and the next and, and even two years from now, this should be a really good program for the next couple of years. Caden and, and, um, and Peyton Knowles are both sophomores this year, and they are only two of a really, really good class. That sophomore group, there, there are a couple of juniors. Chase Hall's a junior. Um, Spencer Adams got some good moments um, in varsity, and, and he'll be back. But for the most part, it, that JV group were all sophomores and more than held their own the entire way. Um, they're going to be really good, and but they're not going to be as big. As you mentioned, they, they're losing they're – losing, um, 6'4 in Jackson Baker, they're losing 6'5 in Jacob Salveson, but statistically, you would think that they should be able to come up with the points and the rebounds and the things that those two are, they're going to lose from losing those two, based on, I mean, those two average, what, eight or nine a game, I think, something like that, and about four rebounds, I would think, excuse me, I would think that they'd be able to get those from other places, but the length defensively is going to be hard to, to overcome, but I think Ridgeline's going to be the team to beat along with Skyview. Skyview's, I don't know where they grow those kids, man. They got, a, <laughs> they, they got two Schumans out there that are 6'10 and 6'8, 7, the big old boys. Um, 
the the Hall kid is enormous. He he went for thirty something against our JV this year just because nobody could nobody could guard him. It's just huge. Um, so as far as size goes, it's straight up in Skyview again next year. And they were really really good. I, I think they only their JV only lost the one game last year, and that was to Ridgeline um, with basically a bunch of sophomores. So it's it's I think those two. Um, I haven't seen anybody else that I feel like is going to be the team to that could Green Canyon always puts a, puts a pretty good team out there. Green Canyon beat um, Ridgeline JV at what what I think they split. I could I I might be wrong on that, but there's some there's some good basketball out there. But I think that Ridgeline and Skyview will probably be the teams to beat next year. Hey, do you guys remember when we had an interview earlier in the year and I said, and I thought I was going to get people mad at me that I said, I don't think Skyview's going to run the table. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, wor- I was worried because especially they start rolling and I'm like, oh, they might run the table. <laughs> and, hey. and then that last game against when they played Ridgeline, that was a lot of, that was super, super fun high school environment. Hey, I got to ask you about that. What was the difference between game one and game two? Because, I mean, game one, they hung with them for about a half and gave them everything they could handle for about the first what is it, 16 minutes of basketball? And then, of course, you know, Skyview you kind of pulled away. What was the difference in game two that they made adjustment-wise to uh, combat with Skyview? So you got to actually go back even further than that. When, they, oh, okay. when, Sky, when, when um, Ridgeline played Leighton uh, in their fourth game of the season, keep in mind they started out against Fremont, who won the thing, won 6A. Uh, then they played a decently solid Desert Hills team and a Pine Views team up. And that was up at the North South tournament in at Skyview. And then they go play Layton. You guys, Layton is enormous. If you think Skyview is big, Layton went like six ten, six nine, six eight, And this is on their starting lineup. And they do something very similar to what, what um, Skyview does. And that's a one, three, one. And what they do is they put their length in, in Skyview's case, they put Sam Phipps up at the top of that one, three, one. And then what they do is they, they have their more of their bigs in the middle there, and then they'll usually have, believe it or not, a small, like their smallest, on the, at the back of it. And that guy's job is to just bust it from corner to corner and try to stop that pass because the open spot in a one three one is the short corner and the corners. Well, against Leighton, Ridgeline, they, they played with Leighton for the first quarter. And then in the, in the second quarter – and that that's when Leighton decided, okay, let's go to our one three one. They won that second quarter. Leighton did twenty six to two in the second quarter. And it was all that one three one and real and with that length and Ridgeline at that point started to see what a one three one can do. And so the first time they get they don't see it again from what I can remember until they saw um, Skyview the first time. And that score I don't think really is indicative of the of Skyview beat them worse than that. I thought it was. I think at the half, um, it was. Well, let's see. I can look at it right here. It was forty-six to twenty-eight at the half for Skyview. Um, Ridgeline had a decent third quarter and a decent fourth quarter, but it was starting to recognize and understand. It took basically that that half for them to understand that one-three-one. In the second half, they started to get it. Well, by the next time they play them. They totally understand how to play against a one-three-one, and were able to do it. And also the defensive effort. But like I said, I thought Peyton Knowles was phenomenal against Phipps, giving him giving him fits. Um, and they did a really really good job against uh, 
Falseless, and I think that was a little bit by committee. And as you mentioned, Ajay, I thought I think that um, Salveson did an excellent job on him. I think they mixed it up a little. It seems like they put, um, I want to say Jackson Baker played on him a little bit, just kind of giving him different looks and making it hard for him. And maybe we should go back to the question you asked about which game maybe it was that you felt like coaching was a big difference. The game plan against Skyview in, on that second, that, that win against Skyview was really, really good, and the guys executed it. Uh, Dave, we're we're up against a break here, but one last quick question for me: just uh, your quick initial reactions to the first year of having RPI for basketball and how it went. It was it's fun. I mean, it's it's different. I do like the fact that other teams have a chance to to compete in that state championship, or excuse me, in the state tournament. Although that first round, it felt similar to football to where there really was some of those teams had no business. And, and what's, what's really hard about that is usually it's you're traveling from hours and hours away to come get absolutely blown out. So I, I don't know. It's that first round that maybe needs to have a look at it. But you like the fact that that when Sky when Ridgeline was playing your Laytons and your Fremonts and those places, yeah, they were getting beat, but they were playing some very, very high-end teams. It didn't make them so that they were so far down in that RPI, and eventually they ended up climbing right up there into the top. I, I don't know if that answers your question, Eric, but I do like the fact that a lot of people, a lot of teams can get in and, and have a chance if they're peaking at the right time at the end to be able to go. And I guess maybe it's similar to when they opened up the NCAA tournament to add more teams. You never know who's playing, who's playing well at the moment and who can make a run on the thing. Yeah, yeah. No, that's true. That's true. Well, Dave, we appreciate uh, what you were doing during your broadcasts on uh, 104.5 The Ranch, calling the games for Ridgeline Riverhawks. Uh, th- those were fun to listen to. You and your uh, co your co-host there, Nick, uh, made it entertaining uh, and fun, and we appreciate what you did and uh, appreciate your input about Coach Calday as well. No problem. I always I tell a lot of people, I'm like, I don't know if anybody else is joining, but at least Nick and I are having a good time. So <laughs> I don't know how you do it, by the way, with Nick. I mean, he yells at me about not getting a rebound and, and pick up basketball. Screams at Guys, me. Guys, twice he took off his headphones, put himself on mute, and yelled at the ref from the box. <laughs> <laughs> Al Lewis, my man. I have, I have never, I have never called a guy. I looked at him, and I threw, totally threw him under the bus on the air. I'm like, the first time in 19 seasons of calling games that I have ever had a person helping me call a game that took off his headphones, put himself on mute, and yelled at the ref from the press from our little <laughs> box. It was so funny, but at the same time. He, he's a lot of fun, and we had a lot of good times. I still don't think he's quite the homer that John is, though. Not even close. <laughs> no, not even close. All right, John thanks, Dave. John's a bobcat through and through. Hey, guys, thank you so Hey, thank much. you. All right, thanks. Dave Simmons, play-by-play voice for the Ridgeline Riverhawks. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Re- Just a blast. Yeah, recapping the season that it was for high school basketball. The all-region team on CashValleyDaily.com. Uh, again, just real quickly, Mason Falslove, Player of the Year, Coach Kyle Day, Coach of the Year, uh, for the, from the Ridgeline Riverhawks. The uh, first team includes Mason Falslove, Caden Cox from uh, Ridgeline, Sam Phipps from Skyview, McKay Yorkison from Green Canyon, and Mark Huber from Bear River. On the second team, Ren Fonsbeck from Bear River, Jaden Pinniger from Logan, Marshall Nethercott from Mountain Crest, Peyton Knowles from Ridgeline, and Cold the Board from Green Canyon. Coming up on the other side, uh, we'll debate the first and second team. Did somebody get left off? Should that order be different? And then we'll also update you on the other uh, events of the day as it relates to some of the announcements of the last 48 hours. 
Uh, and a reminder that we had a conversation with John Hartwell last hour. That interview is posted. The first hour is posted on uh, 1069thefan.com. The Aggies, Jazz, High Schools, even the Pee Wee's T-Ball team. It's the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. The Fan. Welcome back to the Full Court Press. Eric Franson, Ajay Salveson. Big thanks to Hurricane John Newbold, play-by-play announcer for the Skyview Bobcats here on The Fan, and Dave Simmons, play-by-play voice for the Ridgeline Riverhawks on 104.5 The Ranch. Mason Falslove was a unanimous selection as the player of the year for Region 11. Coach Kyle Day, there was one vote for another coach, and that coach was deserving. It was uh, Coach... uh, Hilliard at Skyview did get one vote as a coach of the year. You, you can make a case for that, but everybody else uh, recognized the, the the surprising and excellent season that the Ridgeline Riverhawks had. And so uh, the, the coach of the year award being given to uh, Kyle Day for the Ridgeline Riverhawks. You can see the first team and the second team who made those teams on CashValleyDaily.com, as well as comments from John and Dave about uh, Mason Falls, and Kyle Day. Um, but uh, when it comes down to it, Ajay, I don't know that I see anything, anybody that was on the second team that should have been on the first team and anybody that was on the first team that should have been on the second team. I think that the way when it was all said and done, I, I think our guys pretty much got it right. Y- yeah. Because uh, when you look at the, the full impact of those players in the game and what they meant for their teams, I think that... I think it was pretty right. I think they nailed it. You know, I, I really thought Jacob Salson would make the second team. Uh, I was kind of surprised that he didn't. But then when I look at the numbers and when I talk to the people who are more involved than me in this in this selection, I don't know how you block anybody out. Cole DeBoer was huge for that team. They lost Spencer Dewey Panther, and then they lost uh, who's the other big scorer they had last year. Um, they're from Green Can. I can't remember his name now. Carter. Oh, Barish. Barish, thank you. Yeah. Uh, and like, but he comes in and he pretty much keeps teams in games. He kept his team in a lot of games. Peyton Knowles, obviously, Dave Simmons talked about how big of an impact he had. Marshall Nethercott for for Mountain Crest was the only lone bragging spot for the Mountain Crest Mustangs. To make that very blunt and clear. And then Jaden Pinnegar, of course, is uh, athletic as I'll get out. And Ren Fonsbeck, you know, uh, picking it up again. Uh, he actually averaged four points this year than he did last year. Now, granted, he took more shots than he did last year. Uh, but he also upped his assists and his rebounds as well. I, I think that's a great second team as well. So, no, no complaints. Uh, a number of seniors, uh, as you would might imagine, these first and second teams. But also a pretty fair number of underclassmen as well. So, mm. it's going to be very exciting uh, next season in Region 11 basketball. And to see how now the coaches have gone through a full season, how that changes how they approach what they schedule in the non-region games, where they choose to go, the type of teams they like to want to play, as to they try to figure out how to improve their standings in the RPI. So uh, one year is now in the books for both football and uh, basketball, baseball, just. <laughs> Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. Yep, we'll find out. Because <laughs> those games are suspended for right now. But uh, anyway, just with that, things being suspended, just a reminder, um, a lot of activities have been suspended. Uh, it would also include an announcement from Logan City, all junior jazz basketball at the Logan Rec Center. Those are suspended right now. 
it, men's rec league basketball, those have been suspended because the rec center is going to be shut down for like two weeks. Well, I want to make a quick clarification. Uh, boys baseball, who is currently in St. George, will be allowed to finish their games and then they'll be suspended starting on Monday. Right. So yes. if teams are in St. George, which I believe Green Canyon is, and then I think Mountain Crest is as well, if I'm not mistaken. So there'll be a couple of teams that are still playing uh, throughout the weekend, and then we'll come back with a at least, Eric, at least a two-week break. I would not be surprised if they pushed it back further, which, by the way, presents a problem because, remember, the RPI does take into precedence your non-region schedule. If they come back, because when they come back from the two weeks, guess what? We have spring break. So you have spring break, and then you play. Right, it's they eliminate the non the non region schedule, and you're just taking in region portion. That's not good. Yeah, it's not ideal, certainly, because it uh, that's the time to fine tune rotations and your lineups. And but hey, what, it is what, what it you is. Do? What can you do? Yeah, yeah what do you? Well, yeah, exactly. What do you do? Spring break offers that another little extra buffer for those schools too for uh, isolation. Again, yeah. not quarantined, just isolation. Just be safe. Wash your hands, eat your vegetables, get a good night's rest. Drink your milk and you'll grow five inches. You all lied to me. That's right. Well. Yeah, yeah you take credit for that. That's great, Eric. I never said Thank that. Thank you. Yes, you did. All right. Uh, we're getting an update on things going on in the NCAA. And then when we come back, some of the other news of the day, some recaps, some of the interesting comments from John Hartwell that he shared with us last hour here on the Full Court Press. Stick around. I'm Kevin Kugler with This Week in the NCAA on Westwood One. As you're no doubt aware, postseason basketball conference action came to a screeching halt late this past week as conferences across the country canceled their tournaments due to concerns about the potential spread of the coronavirus. On Thursday, NCAA President Mark Emmert and the association's Board of Governors followed that lead by announcing the cancellation of all remaining winter and spring championships. The decision came as the skiing and Division II swimming and diving championships were in action. Those were suspended and will not resume. For the Division I men's and women's basketball tournaments, the NCAA had hoped to move forward with games being played without spectators. But Emmert stated that that became impractical given ongoing decisions by other entities, which included several member schools announcing that all classes and athletic activities had been suspended. Affecting the sports calendar for the remainder of this academic year, the canceled championships carry through the month of June, when the D1 Men's College World Series normally ends the spring sports season. More to come on This Week in the NCAA. The unprecedented cancellation of the 2020 NCAA Men's and Women's Division I basketball tournaments, along with all remaining winter and spring championships, has been a shock to fans and participants. But for now, it's important to note that the cancellations came with the guidance of an advisory council of public health officials. NCAA President Mark Emmert underscored the panel's advice, saying a guiding factor in the decision to cancel championships was, quote, our ability to ensure events do not contribute to the spread of the pandemic, end quote. Of course, the NCAA is not alone in announcing efforts to help stop the spread of the coronavirus. Every major sport in the U.S. has delayed or canceled games, and many universities in this country and abroad have suspended most on-campus activities. That's this week in the NCAA. I'm Kevin Kugler on Westwood One. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. But you get what I'm saying. Like you, you get, you come into today's show and you say, "How are we going to make it through?" What can what else can we talk about with this COVID nineteen that the past 20, 20 something hours, Eric, hasn't already told us? 
And then, I mean, and then you just kind of base it because you don't want to be repetitive, but you want to bring out information for based on your opinion, what your thoughts are, because people want to hear from the local guys. And that's something I've kind of learned here in the last couple of days is, is people like, look, you get the national perspective of Colin Coward and, and Dan Patrick and that idiot Doug Gutlip. But people want to hear from what Eric Franson has to say. Where do you stand on COVID-19? Where do you stand on the NCAA tournament being canceled? Where do you stand on spring, port, spring sports being canceled? And that's I think that's what people can kind of relate to better here in the Valley. And so to our listeners, thank you for being patient. Uh, next week is going to be adventurous, to say the least. But we will, and I promise we will bring our 100% effort into making sure that we bring a great show that and, is and still original, fun. good content. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll, we'll do it for you. Uh, a couple of quick things of note for today. There, As we said, that the NCAA ha- is going to grant an extra year of eligibility for any seniors in spring sports. There's some discussion about whether to do that with winter sports, though, as John Hartwell said, that's going to be really complicated because some of those schools and some of those sports, their seasons were already done. So it's kind of complicated to go back and give those players an extra year. While they didn't get a chance to decide – a championship for like uh, gymnastics and men's and women's basketball, their seasons really were done. Um, also news today that um, the NCAA, there were people that were trying to consider doing some form of a 16-team bracket over a few days. But again, that gets complicated. Who gets in and who gets left out? But then there's also talk that the NCAA may still issue a, a release, a 68-team bracket, despite the tournament being canceled. While that's nice to say officially your team made it or not, again, that gets complicated for the selection committee to decide who does get in and who doesn't. But um, there's a lot of weird logistics with how to make that uh, work. But you know, there's some coaches and programs that uh, they have bonuses riding on that. Yeah. If they get in or they don't. So is it, and I think Mr. Hartwell made this Pretty clear. Was it that he gets a bonus for being in the tournament or just winning a g- Help me there. Just uh, He gets a bonus just for going. Okay, okay. I think he may get an extra bonus for winning. If he won a game. Sure. Okay, sounds good. Uh, anyway, it's been a crazy couple of days. Get him to come back. <laughs> John, that was one thing Hartwell said. He's already been working on that. Get him to come back. If you want to go back and listen to our conversations with Hurricane John Newbold and Dave Simmons from this hour... Or the conversation we had last hour with we'll John post Hartwell. Them separately, yep. Go to 1069thefan.com and have a safe and great weekend, everybody.